And now it's time for On The Money with your host, Dan White. Dan has been in the financial services industry for over 25 years, and he's been a featured expert in Forbes, Yahoo, the Philadelphia Business Journal, Dow Jones Market Watch, and has appeared nationally on Fox Business News. Dan is a member of some of the most prestigious financial organizations, including the Society of Financial Service Professionals and the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. In addition, he's a chartered life underwriter and a chartered financial consultant, credentials you can trust. Broadcasting from the heart of Wilmington, Delaware, here's your host of On The Money, Dan White. When you hear the words financial literacy, you may think about how so many people say we should be teaching our high schoolers more about this. You know, maybe if a senior in high school graduated knowing how to balance a checkbook, well, then we've done our job. But really, we shouldn't be shouldering the blame of financial illiteracy on our teens. Most adults are no better. And we have to be smarter than we are about our money. Forget high schoolers, most adults in America who took a financial literacy quiz flunked it. But we can start turning that tide right now, and no one has to know the ignorance you may be hiding from people. Today, we're going to do a crash course, and this isn't just for bragging rights. Financial literacy has a rate of return that you will be happy about. Welcome to the On The Money Show. My name is Dan White. I am the host of your show. It's great to be back with everyone again. Uh, And this morning we're going to dive into financial literacy. I mean, kind of look into some of the recent results about how poor our country is or how illiterate our country is when it comes to finance. And then we'll talk about the second half of the show. We'll talk about some basic financial concepts that everyone should be aware of. Before we get into the program, though, I want to wish everyone a happy Martin Luther King Day. Tomorrow is MLK Day. Uh, I know a lot of the high schools will be doing uh, service projects, and I think that's a great thing. If anything, our country needs to come together more so than probably any time in the recent past. So uh, get out there and do a service project on Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. We also have a giveaway today. It goes with financial literacy. It's called Qualified Accounts 101. You know, when we sit down with clients, we separate their assets into non-qualified and qualified, and half the time they ask me what the difference is. So qualified accounts are generally regarded as being pre-tax accounts. So we've uh, crafted a white paper called Qualified Accounts 101. If you'd like to get your hands on this, then by all means, pick up the phone and give us a call, and we'd be happy to send it out to you. You can reach us toll-free at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820. In Pennsylvania, it's a local call, 610-358-8942. 610-358-8942. We have four upcoming events this week. On Tuesday, January the 18th, we have a special presentation down at the Hampton Inn in Middletown, Delaware at 12 noon on IRA and required minimum distribution planning. So that's Tuesday the 18th at noon at the Hampton Inn in Middletown. That same evening, Tuesday the 18th at 5.30, we'll be heading north. We'll be up at Harry's Savoy Grill in Wilmington, Delaware, doing today's retirement concerns and solutions. On Wednesday, the 19th at 5.30, 
down at the Ch- heading south again, down at the Chesapeake Inn in Chesapeake City, Maryland. And then finally on Thursday the 20th at 5.30, we'll, we'll kind of be in the middle at the Columbus Inn in Wilmington, Delaware. So if you'd like to come out to one of our upcoming events, by all means, pick up the phone. Seating is going to be limited. As we know, Delaware has just implemented a mask policy again. So COVID-19, it's the it's the thing that wouldn't leave, I guess, and uh, it's sticking with us. So, uh, But, yeah, we'd love to see you at one of our upcoming events. Pick up the phone and get a reservation. So financial literacy is the understanding and use of financial management skills for yourself and your family. Personal finance can be very complex, and financial decisions or side effects seem to be almost everywhere today. This will likely only become even more important. Well, our our On the Money Show radio program's number one goal is to increase financial literacy. Two rules of being financial literate, financially literate mean doing the right things and steering clear from the usual mistakes. In the end, you'll have a greater sense of confidence about your life and your future. At the end of last year, you know, I had the pleasure of having Dr. Wade Fowl on the program as our guest, and I mention him often for good reason. The professor of retirement income at the American College teaches very wide ranges of primary and advanced financial planning courses to financial professionals. And by the way, the American College is located in King of Prussia, PA, coincidentally. The American College has surveyed the U.S. public and given them a financial literacy quiz. And as you might guess, the U.S. public flunks this financial literacy quiz Quiz results are typically announced at the beginning of April because April is Financial Literacy Month. So you might notice news and online reports of that again this year. I mean, we need to do better. Americans failed the quiz. They flunked it. Basic personal finance needs to be taught in high schools and in the workplace. That's kind of the overarching opinion of many financial experts. So according to the American College's 2020 Retirement Income Literacy Survey, four out of five older Americans failed to understand the basics on how to successfully plan for a financially secure retirement, a concerning finding from one of the most comprehensive surveys on retirement income literacy. Retirees and pre-retirees, people aged 50 to 75, displayed a lack of knowledge around awareness of income in retirement, basic investment management, and understanding of long-term, long-term care needs. Yet those with a written retirement plan in place re- reported feeling more prepared to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic than their counterparts. A majority of respondents are holding their financial plan steady among the pandemic, Yet just one out of three report having a formal written retirement plan in place. And with a troubled economy and an acceleration of early or forced retirements, consumer understanding of retirement principles is particularly important. You know, retirement literacy in 2020 remains low overall, as was the case in the college's 2014 and 2017 surveys. I mean, we're not getting much better at this. 
with 8 out of 10, 81%, failing a 38-question retirement literacy quiz. In fact, the average score of the quiz was 42%. This is further underscored by consumers' own lack of confidence. Only a third of consumers consider themselves highly knowledgeable about retirement income planning. And I, I get it. You know, I tell people all the time, we're all good at something. You know, I've dealt with forklift drivers and physicians and lawyers and Verizon and DuPont and scientists. And, you know, they may be good at one thing, but financial literacy is usually not among them. And among the financial planning elements driving low scores on the quiz was consumers' particularly low level of knowledge about preserving assets and sustaining income in retirement. More than half the people surveyed underestimate the life expectancy of a 65-year-old man, suggesting that many people do not realize how long their assets may have to last. And I see this all the time. I mean, people, oh, I won't be around. Well, you you probably will be. Only 32% know that $4,000 is the most they can afford to safely withdraw per year from a $100,000 retirement account, suggesting most do not know how to determine a prudent withdrawal rate. And only 35% know that a negative single-year return in a retirement portfolio has the most significant impact on long-term retirement security if it happens at the year of retirement, suggesting a fundamental lack of knowledge about investment risk in the pre-retirement and retirement period. Determining how much you can spend in retirement when you don't know how long you will live or what market returns you will experience is complicated. And unfortunately, the task becomes even harder for Americans who do not recognize how to properly evaluate these risks in the first place and who do not understand the lasting impact of a market downturn in the early years of retirement. The survey demonstrates that these retirees don't fully understand the consequences a bad market can have on their long-term retirement prospects. And this is particularly relevant today with the market being at all-time highs. I mean, if, you, if, you, you know, if you're near retirement today, we're going to talk about that a little more next week, the, uh, the bad returns early in retirement. Consumers also displayed a significant lack of knowledge when it comes to understanding investments, despite the fact that a majority self-report that they are at least moderately knowledgeable about investment management. Just 26% understand that the value of bonds and bond funds fall as interest rates rise. It's an inverse relationship. Rates go up, the value of the bonds go down. Just 28% know that actively managed mutual funds have higher fees than exchange-traded funds or ETFs. And only 18% of the people surveyed know that B-rated corporate bonds have higher yields than AAA corporate bonds or treasury bonds. So again, this is this is kind of alarming that people really don't understand. And we know how people deal with their 401ks. It's kind of an eeny, meeny, miny, mo. They look at five-year returns and 10-year returns. They pick a couple mutual funds or a target date fund, which we have addressed in the past. 
and then they kind of set it and forget it. And uh, I don't think that's really going to work going forward in the next five to ten years. Let me give you our phone numbers toll-free. You can reach us at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820. In Pennsylvania, it's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. This morning, we're talking about financial literacy, or more, more to the point, financial illiteracy, how America really does not have a good grasp of concepts. When we come back after the break, we're going to look at six concepts you absolutely ought to know. We'll have more after the break. If you're within five to ten years of retirement, this message is for you. There's never been a bigger disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street. Unemployment over 15%. Unprecedented federal stimulus. Wall Street has never been more volatile. If there was a vehicle that credited you 7% up front, then grew your nest egg by 6 to 7% a year guaranteed for the next five to ten years before turning into an income stream that you cannot outlive, would you want Want to know about it? Call Dan White and Associates now for details. 888-690-8820. Surrender charges and other restrictions may apply. Welcome back to the On the Money Show. My name is Dan White, and I am the host of your show. This morning, we're talking about financial literacy. How most of the American public is somewhat illiterate when it comes to finance. So we talked about a recent study before the break, and uh, I thought what we would do in the second half of the show is really just kind of go over some some basic concepts about you know what people really need to know in the beginnings of their financial course. Before we uh, continue with the program, we do have a couple. We have a giveaway today called uh, Qualified Accounts 101. So if you are among the ones that are a little bit financially illiterate and you want to find out about qualified accounts, this is a must-read for you. It gets into all the different types of qualified plans out there, and it might enlighten you as to what could or may, may or may not be available to you through the workplace. So if you'd like to get a copy of our white paper, Qualified Accounts 101, pick up the phone and give us a call. You can reach us toll-free at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820 in Pennsylvania. It's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. We have uh, four upcoming events this week on Tuesday, January the 18th at 12 noon. We'll be down at the Hampton Inn in Middletown, Delaware, doing a special presentation on IRAs and required minimum distribution planning. So there's always there's a new RMD table out this year. You want to be aware of some of the changes that uh, Congress and the IRS has made. So if you'd like to come out to that event, pick up the phone and get a reservation. Also on Tuesday night at 5.30 p.m., we'll be, uh, we'll be up at Harry's Savoy Grill on Naaman's Road in Wilmington, Delaware, doing today's retirement concerns and solutions. Wednesday the 19th at 5.30, we'll be down to Chesapeake Inn in Chesapeake City, Maryland. And finally, on Thursday the 20th at 5.30, we'll be up at the Columbus Inn. Uh, All three dinner programs are today's retirement concerns and solutions. So if you're near the age, if you're thinking about contemplating retirement and not sure how you're going to provide yourself and your family with income once the paychecks stop, by all means, come out to one of our upcoming events. So are you ready for a crash course in financial literacy? Well, let's start with budgeting. One thing I wish people did more of was think about the future. Not not just the good days, but the tough ones. You know, if more people could foresee a flooded basement or a leaky roof, then they would probably say, hey, 
We need to sock away some money and create an emergency fund. And in order to do this, there's really one simple rule. The goal is to spend less than you earn. I mean, this is, there was a book that came out 35 years ago, The Millionaire Next Door, and that's basically the premise, you know, spend less than what you earn. The difference is what you should be saving. The difference can be used for an emergency fund or retirement savings. And I can't stress that enough, and I've, I've tried to drill this into people's heads over the years. Pay yourself first, whether it's coming out of your paycheck before you see it or whether you have an automatic electronic transfer going from your bank account into a savings vehicle. I mean, treat your savings as a bill just as you would treat any other bill. Because at the end of the day, people say, oh, I'll save what's left, and we know how that works. There's never anything left. So put that at the top of the list. Why should you be at the bottom? Pay yourself first and make your savings a priority. Let's talk about the eighth wonder of the world, compound interest. And if you aren't completely familiar with this, you're not alone. Here's one thing to keep in mind. Compounding is a wonderful concept when working on money you have, and it's not so wonderful when working on money that you owe. And if there's one idea that every advisor would like to drum into their heads, into the heads of their clients, it's compound interest. It's the ultimate equalizer. It does not care who you are, where you come from, or what you do. It will relentlessly work for you or ruthlessly punish you without regard. It's about discipline and time and is a tool that works regardless of whether you're a sales clerk at Walmart or a hedge fund manager. It's all about how we earn interest on our investments or pay interest on our debt. Let's say you make 10% this year on a portfolio of $1,000 at the end of the year. You're going to have $1,100. That means that when you earn interest next year, you'll be doing so on a larger amount of money without having invested a single extra dollar. As the years pass, you'll earn interest on interest on interest. It's like a snowball rolling downhill has become an avalanche. That's the reason people often refer to the magic of compound interest. And this tool is especially powerful for younger investors. There's a classic example that demonstrates this. People who can invest even a small amount of money for only a decade, starting when they are 18, can end up with a bigger lump sum by the time they retire than others who invest more but wait to do so until they're in their mid-30s. That's the big aha moment. If you invest 5000 a year from your age of 20 until your 30th birthday, and then don't add any one more dollar, you'll have put aside $50,000. If you wait to start investing until you're 30, and then set aside 5000 a year for the next 30 years, on the surface, it would look as if you'd do better. But that $50,000 investment left untouched and assuming a steady annual return of 7%, will leave you with more than $600,000 by the time you hit 60, while the 150000 that you put in between the age of 30 and 60 has grown to $540,000. So time and patience really do pay off. And there's an ugly corollary to this rule. If you have to pay interest rather than earning it, 
you risk ending up paying interest on interest. Over time, you can owe far more than you borrowed in the first place. If anybody has ever looked at a mortgage amortization schedule, I showed one to my son when he bought his first house. I said, yeah, you're borrowing $100,000 and you're probably going to pay back three hundred. dollars and he just uh, he couldn't he, he he really struggled with that concept as most people do. Let's also talk about good debt. Yeah, there's such a thing, compound interest notwithstanding. The distinguishing feature of good debt versus bad debt is the kind of return you will earn from the investment you make with the borrowed money. That is why borrowing to buy a home often makes sense. Each month's mortgage payment brings you closer to outright ownership of an asset whose value should appreciate over time. And moreover, lenders structure traditional mortgage payments so that you will pay off more of the loan's interest in the early years, unlike, say, with credit card debt. Knowing this, savvy homeowners in a position to do so often try to make payments every other week instead of monthly or make one extra payment a year. That reduces the amount of outstanding interest owed, which gets compounded each month at a faster rate than if the homeowner stuck to the regular monthly payment and cut the overall cost of the loan. Student loans also can be good debt if you analyze how much you're spending and whether the credentials you are striving to acquire will land you a job that pays more and that enables you to pay down the debt rapidly and begin saving and investing. If the degree you are considering requires you to borrow a large amount of money without the prospect of yielding the economic benefits just described, you might want to put student loans into the bad debt category. It's all about looking at what you're paying on the debt and what you're using the debt for. You know, I've had clients who want to liquidate an attractive, high-yielding bond portfolio in order to pay cash for a new car because they assume that debt is bad. I'll give you another example. I've had people saying, hey, I'm going to pull $100,000 out of an IRA to purchase a property. Well, again, think it through. If you pull $100,000 from an IRA, that $100,000 is taxable. You're probably only going to get $70,000. And then, again, that money was earmarked for retirement, so you've kind of robbed Peter to pay Paul. So you got you got to really look at where you're pulling money from. Let's also look at credit utilization rates. Something else we try to explain to clients is that closing credit cards or even cutting their credit credit limits to improve credit scores isn't necessarily a good idea. Most borrowers understand the higher the FICO score, the less they pay to borrow. But FICO scores aren't determined solely by how promptly you pay your bills. They're also based on how much of your available credit you have to tap each month. Someone who uses only 25% of available credit is a better risk than someone who routinely uses 85%, even if they both are just as disciplined at paying off their bills. This is your credit utilization rate, and it's an under-recognized force shaping your financial health. So again, you got to be cognizant of that. Diversification, I mean, that's a topic we've always talked about. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's a good axiom when it comes to managing your money. And the need for good balance and diversification requires looking at your entire financial picture, not just your portfolio allocations. 
Say you've just landed a job at Microsoft. Congratulations. But now that your income is reliant on the health of the technology sector, make sure your portfolio isn't chock full of technology stocks. Or if your job and your home are based on a community whose fate is tied to a particular industry, don't put even more of your money into that sector. Mix it up a bit. So again, there's a lot of different tools and and terms that you've got to be aware of when it comes to financial literacy. We've touched on a couple today, um, but there's still, I mean, you know, take a course, go to a college, take a course, and really bone up on what you need to when it comes to your financial literacy. Let me give you our phone numbers toll-free. You can reach us at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820 in Pennsylvania. It's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. This morning we've been talking about financial illiteracy, how people really don't have a good grasp in our country about certain things. If you've got questions, we can help you out. We've got the answers. Pick up the phone and give us a call. Have a great week. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of their respective parties and not those of this show's producers or this station. Join us again for more On the Money 